This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. podcast of the books you've been needing to read my name is craig Uh, my name is andrew and may the pods be ever in your favor welcome (laughs) to episode 400 Uh, we are (laughs) here what are these characters dude uh, well michael buffer and two stuck up british people i think um (laughs) we are here to talk about a book or three just one today just one Um, today but it in the grand fullness of time eventually three yes maybe four there's a prequel coming we can talk oh about that a little bit. we are going gotta, to celebrate talk about the the joker of the hunger games <laughs> universe <laughs> we are going to celebrate our quadricentennial uh the only way we know how which is jumping into a battle royale full of uh kids uh called the hunger games by suzanne collins not um a senator who's not everybody's is... favorite senator from Maine. <laughs> not um, Suzanne Collins. <laughs> so we got so we got at least one reader question. I was like, didn't you guys do this one already? Uh-huh. And first I was like, well, did we? <laughs> did we do this one? <laughs> but no, we with my my wife with my wife Susanna. Yes, we did the uh, the Battle Royale book. Which is your, do you remember the author of that one off the top of your head? No. Do you want to Google it while I tell them the yeah. premise of yeah. the show, which is we read a book that at least one of us has not read before, and we talk to you, the reader, about it and each other. I think for Koshin this Takami. Okay, thank you. Um, and so yeah, Susanna had brought on Battle Royale. Um, oh. Yes, uh, I had. I think we had seen that film, but not, I don't think any of us had read that book. Andrew, mm-hmm. you have read the Hunger Games before. I've read all the Hunger Games okay, books that are right. out right now, which is the main trilogy, which is this one, the Hunger Games, and then Catching Fire is the second one, and then Mockingjay is the third Great. one. Great. I saw the first Hunger Games movie many years ago and saw the second part of Mockingjay, keeping in my that's an, tradition. <laughs> that's an eclectic... <laughs> selection of hunger yes. games films to see um so yeah we're going to talk about this book um and then we're going to read the rest of them i think our we're tr- i think our schedule is somewhere around like every 10 or so episodes so we don't draw this one out too far oh we aren't doing i think we're doing 25 25 450 okay faster than that but okay, anyway well you're the boss i don't i think you're that's what we boss. agreed to who uh, knows real quick before we start talking about yes. the book now that we've got your attention We've got another thing to talk about, which is a live show we're doing. We're we're getting back on the road. Yes, this year, um, we are going to be at Kenyon College, our alma mater, mm-hmm. later this month, talking with the folks at the Appointment Television podcast about which is better, books or TV. <laughs> well, that's I'm excited to meet them. I don't know what that podcast is, but I'm I look forward to. Uh, 
co-starring in some sure. sort of event with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Thursday, February 20th, right, Andrew? Mm-hmm. From 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. It'll be a combo podcast followed by a Q&A session, followed possibly by hanging out at the one bar in Gambier, Ohio. <laughs> yes. that's I, I kid Gambier, Ohio. I believe there are two bars. That's true. <laughs> um, among other things in our books versus television discussion, we will be talking about Nick Hornby's High Fidelity and the new adaptation on hulu and maybe we'll talk about the movie who knows but movies aren't on the description of our life no, we already so. I just tacitly we have already decided <laughs> that movies are not as good as books or tv i think that's fair to say um so come see us if you are in the area check out what's the how do people get more information andrew bit.ly slash books or tv all one word all lowercase great um, and if you can get there, I believe that you can get in. There's no like no tickets, no admission fee. Just come on down and yeah. see us. We'd love to have you. Well, Andrew. Kenyon would love to have you. We'd love to see you yes. there being had by Kenyon. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> we would also love to have you for the rest of this episode. So, Hunger Games. Um, I'm hungry. I'm very hungry for some content above mm-hmm. a book. Um, I don't know much about Suzanne Collins. I know that she was born in 1962. Well, that's where you start. Yep. Two um, years older than my mom I, and dad. A few years younger than my mom, I think. Wow. Um, if okay. I do math correctly. Um, she was the youngest <laughs> of four in a military family, did lots of moving around. Uh, she has deg- she studied theater and telecommunications. Did not know that she got her MFA from uh, New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Uh, and Tisch, spent, that's French. Spent time. <laughs> t- this is a, some good 400th episode energy <laughs> we this are good. bringing. The thing I didn't know about Suzanne Collins is that she worked on a bunch of Nickelodeon yes. shows, including bangers such as Clarissa Explains It All and The Mystery Files of Shelby Wood. An underrated classic. Which is an underrated classic. It was a very good show. And yes. then the first published book of hers I could find evidence of was like the hundred and something book in the Shelby Wu book series. Whoa, Which was published cool. in 1999, yeah. She is also uh, credited as one of the head writers of Clifford's Puppy Days. So any of you Clifford heads out there who have concerns about the malleable size of that big red dog, yeah. maybe take it up with Suzanne. <laughs> it's her fault. <laughs> it's her fault. Um, and before Hunger Games took off, uh, she had a pretty successful series called The Underland Chronicles, which uh, tells the story of a boy named Gregor and his adventures in the Underland, a subterranean world underneath New York City. Sure. Um, so it's very I think Futurama. Yeah, pretty Futurama. Especially because I think it was published after Futurama had already started happening. Huh. So these are, we tell the truths <laughs> tell that truths. no other podcasts will tell. Um, this, the first book in this series was published in 2008. She signed a Mm -hmm. six figure deal for the three books. The first film was released in 2012. Um, and she said she got the idea for the brutal nation of Panem one evening when she was channel surfing between a reality show competition and war coverage. Um, I was tired, she said, and the lines began to blur in this very unsettling way. She also cites the Greek myth of Theseus with people like fighting in the labyrinth to face the Minotaur. Um, Crete was sending a very clear message, mess with us and we'll do something worse than kill you, we'll kill your children. Uh, And then she also has spoken 
about how her father's experience in Vietnam kind of informs some of the violence in this in the series as well as I think like Katniss the main character's experience with her father dying while she was young and I, I don't yeah. you know I don't believe that Suzanne Collins's dad died in Vietnam but just the experience of what it was to grow up you know without him at times and things like that mm-hmm. um this book <laughs> and this series it's a good tone of voice to well, start any any conversation so like way. 2008 when the first book comes out right we're going right into that good old great recession the greatest of recessions and it a, it, truly it was a great recession truly for everyone and what a great recession it is still we're also still kind of like at the the cresting of what social media and like the back end of the first wave of reality TV like we haven't hit Instagram influencers yet but this whole <laughs> world that she's you built added some extra R's to the did, word oh, influencers did I? <laughs> yes, in a way influencers um, but you know what I mean like it's like yeah yeah, yeah. We're, you're definitely like media is is changing yeah. in a lot of ways and also because of the internet and like DVD sets and slowly like streaming television though this that was is pretty early for that. Yep. Um, I think you are starting to see like in depth media criticism becoming more accessible to people. Oh sure. At around at around yeah. the same time, and that's that is something that the Hunger Games is is doing a lot of is is thinking about how like how you send a message through like clothing and and through like signals and narrative structure and, oh yeah um, like like figuring out what the intended audience is going to see and yes. what and what people will just kind of blithely pass by because they don't understand the significance of yeah it. she's very aware of those probably from her experience writing those hit kids television shows yeah. um so when this came out I don't know what the discourse around the book was Andrew but I know when the film came out I remember there being a lot of wait didn't someone do this already? Isn't it called Battle Royale? What's the, <laughs> did this lady rip off Battle Royale? Um, and there's an interview with her in 2011, or or a story about the film where you know she says that she claims she's never heard of that book, or until after her book was turned in, um, her editor asked if she wanted to read it, and she's like, "No, I don't want that in my head." And that's you know very possible that she take that at face value and she literally didn't know that it existed she was thinking about other things yeah i can i can completely believe that and also i can completely believe that she felt really awful the moment she found <laughs> yeah. out that someone had done that idea already not that they are doing the same thing like i think that uh the hunger games trilogy is a lot more character driven and less well i mean it is also scenario driven but battle royale kind of has that idea and that's most of what the book is as i recall and and hunger games is more about katniss and her band of misfits and their misadventures yeah and so we'll get into it when we get into the plot for there's a great article from 2012 i think uh by joshua rothman in the new yorker called the real hunger games battle royale where he talks about the main differences between the two um, and that like the Hunger Games is set in a post-apocalyptic world and the series is a lot more about class struggle and mm-hmm. revolutionary uprising and Battle Royale is and was written during this time of like fears of youth violence in Japan and is much more about like 
it's happening in the today. It doesn't see itself happening like in the future. Um, it's kind of just envisioning a world where they came up with this thing. And there's a lot of like literal differences in how the the kid killing thing happens in the Battle Royale universe where it's not the same type of propaganda that it is in the Hunger Games. What you said earlier about the Hunger Games being media critique first and foremost, or at least at the top of its priority list, is way more important here than it than that is to Battle Royale. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of good writing on that that you can go find. There's other things that it reminds me of, like The Running Man, uh, which is like the 80s film. Your favorite with, dance. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite dances, actually. Um, it's also like here in... It was interesting to read this book in 2020. Now that we're like two years into the cycle of one of like the biggest video game genres being a hundred people drop onto an island and try to kill each other. Like mm-hmm. that's what Fortnite is, um, which is and when you see a tween dancing, they're regularly doing a Fortnite dance. Well, and do you see, do you see that as being fundamentally different though from other? online shooter yes. games like like a counter-strike mm-hmm. or something like I, I guess counter-strike would be informed by a war on terror perspective maybe and I'm not, I'm not saying that those games have a direct lineage from the hunger games though i'm sure that there is some inspiration by people who developed them um but it, it's an evolution of a lot of survival based games where they took like oh how can you take this simulation survival thing and then make it competitive which mm-hmm. is a lot of what is going on in the actual story of the Hunger Games. I just I don't know that you could release these books today and have a bunch of people not go, "Yo, that's Fortnite." Like, I don't Maybe you do what that Minecraft book did. Maybe. It's just like, "Hey, this is Fortnite the book." <laughs> I Are there Fortnite books? Mm, there I'm afraid to know. <laughs> I don't want to know if there are Fortnite books. books. I also think some of the media stuff and the like Live. No, these are all okay. We're safe. These are all how tos. Okay, God. Oh, thank you. Um, and some of the like watching it live while the games are happening stuff would be very different. It's interesting to read that stuff when things like Twitch and other like live streaming has become very popular. Um, so it's yeah, it's just kind of an interesting read from something that is only you know 10 or 12 years old. But the media landscape has shifted. The behavior of teens has shifted vis-a-vis like online culture and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Anything else about like setting the table stuff you want to talk about, Andrew? The the only other thing that that came to mind, and I wasn't sure whether we wanted to talk about this in the context of the rest of the book or now, but I guess we're just talking about it now. Yeah, why not? Is... um, there was a Vox piece that you linked mm. from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 2018 about people discussing the, uh, series. the Hunger Games yeah. books and the movies and their impact and like whether they were still effective, you know, because often you'll see things come out and like inspire a bunch of conversation or inspire a bunch of copycat works. And then you go back and sometimes those original works are no longer as effective or as shocking or as whatever because they've been outstripped by the things that they sort yep. of set yep. up um 10 years and, later is uh, the hunger game still shocking on vox yeah yeah um and so one of the people in this conversation is uh, vox's eleanor barkhorn who is talking about she is she was she was kind of brought in to represent a 
an anti or like contrarian position on the <laughs> on the series. And so she goes after two or three other people have already gone and she says essentially like, you know, I'm I'm reading these points that you guys are making and they're they're very good. And I'm wondering if I'm actually wrong about about sort of being over these books and not very enthusiastic about these books. And then she talks about how the discourse around them made her mm. more upset than the books themselves. Sure. What bugs me about the Hunger Games is not really the series itself. It's the entire ponderous reductive discourse it launched. For a while there, everyone had a theory on how the Hunger Games applied to post-recession America. Panem's indulgent out-of-touch capital was exactly like indulgent out-of-touch Washington, D.C., also London. <laughs> the Nadir <laughs> came when Dan from Gossip Girl called the Hunger Games a metaphor for Occupy Wall Street. No! <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the Nadir of a, of a discourse. Well, and I think I don't know if it's her in that same piece who talks about all of the like branded makeup tie-ins and fashion tie-ins and stuff. Yeah, they that... talk about how the the movies in particular. Yes. And yes. I think Star Wars does this sometimes too by like glorifying the Empire First Order whatever. How cool is in, Darth Vader when he's killing right, people? In in merchandise is like in in the marketing and in the merchandising they Miss the point. Yes. Yes. By being very like very identified with the evil overlords because ain't they cool? Like don't they don't they live in a neat way? Though that's it's interesting and we can talk about this is one of the things that really works about this book is that you, the reader, are effectively in a position of like living a cushy life in the capital. Because you yes. are spectating through Katniss's perspective, yes. but you are spectating, nevertheless. I so. want to talk about that when we get into kind of. Yeah, I didn't. I want to get too far ahead, but yes. I didn't want to tease it. It is a crucial part of what I think works about the Hunger Games. Consider yourselves teased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Let's travel to Panem, the greatest country that has ever been. Panem, if you got him. It is uh, the universe of the Hunger Games, um, named a apparently named after juveniles, the Roman poets, bread and circuses. Okay. Because Panem means bread, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, it is, so the, the apocalypse that has happened in this world, and pa Panem is the United States, or what used to be the United States, at least yep. a strip of it, um, that stretches at least from like Appalachia, like West Virginia ish to the Rocky Mountains. West of the Rocky yeah. Mountains. Yeah. Um it's not clear what happened, though it is I think it exists somewhere in between a climate change scenario and just a resource scarcity scenario. It led to some sort of big war also. Yeah. Which then this was 75, 74 ish years before the events of this book. Um, there was something called the Treaty of Treason that was signed that instituted the Hunger Games. Um, but yeah, it that's does. The, that's the first mistake is that you always have to <laughs> dress your evil up in some kind of euphemism. <laughs> it would have been called like the American Unity. Act the Panem of... Party Act, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Not the treason treatise or whatever. Um, but so there's twelve districts. Um, there are thirteen districts. Well, oh, excuse me, one is gone? Question yeah. mark. 
It was apparent. It was in this great conflict that happened. District 13 was wiped off the face of the earth. Yes. And it's still smoldering remains are shown to residents of the other districts just so they don't get too far out of line. Okay. Um, and there's 12 districts in a capital. Um, it seems like as you go up in number of districts, you get further from the capital and things get worse. Like they are like progressively, yes, yeah. progressively less uh, well-resourced. Each district has like a primary job. Like I think District 9 or something is agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, our protagonist Katniss's district is coal. Oh, yeah. Um, district 3 has the quote factories that make like televisions, automobiles, and explosives, the three things you need for a functioning society. Yeah. So um, I guess that would be kind of the Midwest, like the Rust Belt. Yes, yes. Detro- Detroit survives sure. <laughs> in District 3, I guess. Um, and we, we're getting all of this from Katniss at the beginning of the book as she is kind of laying out this like Passover question, like why is this happening now? It's because it's her sister Prim... Uh, it's her first year where she is eligible for the Hunger Games, and so she's thinking about everything and various. Can you describe parts. to me what the Hunger Games is. Yes, so the Hunger Games were established as part of this treason treaty, uh-huh. where as a way to control. Okay, maybe they didn't say this, but as a way to control the districts, and I guess it's like penance for their uprising. I guess. Yeah. Um, they every year. Two teenagers get their names taken out of punch bowls um, and they get taken to some sort of video game level where they have to fight on live TV to the death. And the winner, their district gets stuff, which is cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe they get like that person has to coach future winners and stuff like that. And so... um, the districts are basically then always in competition with each other. It's a great way to suppress further revolution. Um, they are kind of cut off from one another information-wise. Uh, and they you can do this thing, and Katniss has done it a bunch. I don't remember if there's a specific name for it, where you can effectively buy money or and resources by oh, putting like the, your name in the, the bowl. Tesserae or something something like that that, yes where you can volunteer your name to go in the bowl more times and it goes in the bowl as you get older like you get one entry your your when you turn 12 you get two entries when you turn 13 and so on and so forth um but you can get more if you if you want food and stuff for your family and because Katniss's dad died in like a factory accident um, they were on hard times and she kind of took over as her mom had troubles um, and started like putting her name in the bowl to get them extra stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, let's establish the Hunger Games. Let's finish it up. I guess you're pretty close to the end. And then let's talk about Katniss, too. Yeah. She's yeah. the one who we're getting all of our information from. The I guess the only other stuff to say about the Hunger Games as a like concept from the setup is that it is... There's a lot of pomp and circumstance around it. Um, so when the yeah, I mean, it's, it's treated as a by the people in the capital of of Panem yes. and to a lesser extent, the districts like the the yeah. the lower numbered districts with better resources and, and the ones that are like closer to the capital. 
get into it a little more insofar as they at least have teens who they have what are called careers yeah Yeah. they they train for it like they intend to do it it's not it is still a punishment in its way but it's more of an honor and they win more often because they have enough resources to to actually train for it it's very myth of the amateur athlete in a way (laughs) where like it's not an equal ground when people go in because obviously the rich districts have time to feed all their kids enough so that they are strong enough to win um and then there's a lot about the interviews that all the kids give before they go into the hell fight and people yeah, from thing la- that lasts for like the event itself can last for a couple of weeks but the run up to the event also lasts for a week or two yes, yes. and then there's another week or two after yes and it's all it's it's this big it's the it's a huge event like imagine if the super bowl lasted even longer than it already does oh my god you're right it is i mean it is the super bowl um it's super bowl like people get injured a lot and there's capitalism (laughs) (laughs) um and the way that collins gives us a lot of this how it works backstory stuff is through katniss working through her fears about what's going to happen to her sister um watching like various government officials you know recite the history of the hunger games as part of the tradition um and as she starts to experience it she relays that information to us what do you want to talk about in terms of how katniss is established at I the just, beginning yeah of this i book? just want to set her up is yeah, like you said she is a resident of district 12 she's 16 years old but for years for five or six years at the outset of the book she has been the provider for her family because her dad died in like a mine explosion and her mother was her mother was from a slightly hired social class in the same district like she she was from the merchant class basically and then he is from this like worker class but they got married anyway and so she when she lost him she wasn't really the the book the the way the book sells it is like she's just not like up for it yeah she's not she's not made of the same stern stuff that Katniss and her dad are um but she is like a, she and Katniss's sister Prim are both like healers and they they are both more they they have more like emotional maturity I guess where where Katniss has more like physical and and survival skills yes um. But anyway, Katniss has she she is uh, she sneaks outside of the district to hunt with her friend Gail, um, and they're friends. They're nothing more, Andrew. They're, they're just friends. They're good nothing friends. more. Don't ask questions about it. It's YA fic. <laughs> it definitely won't become anything later. It definitely won't become anything later. She, they're like brother and sister. They never even thought about each other that way. Why do you keep asking questions about it? It's really weird that you keep asking about it. It's really it's strange. Really, I just feel like you are the one making a big deal about it. Yeah, it's weird. Basically. Um, but uh, she, there, there's like a black market in District 12. Even the the peacekeepers, like basically the, the uh, capital's police force, kind of lets this happen because it's basically harmless and it, gets them meat and stuff too like you get the you you kind of get the impression that even people who are high up on this food chain once you get all the way out to district 12 like their lives aren't awesome either yes correct (laughs) um so so this is her existence like she she is found in equilibrium like she feeds her family she has managed to buy her sister like a goat recently so not only can they get like milk and and 
stuff from the goat, but also they can start to sell that and, and be like slightly better off. Yes. Um, on their on their own terms. And she's very resourceful. She is great at shooting a bow. She learned, I think, from her dad about like plants and stuff and which ones are good and bad for you. Um, so if, if you're talking about in terms of D&D classes, yes. which I know, Craig, you like to do, I believe uh-huh. Katniss is a pretty strong ranger. Very talented type. ranger type. Yeah. Yes. Kind of a ra- if she was going to multitask as like ranger and... Like a thief, yeah, maybe a thief. almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't steal things generally because. But I'm just talking about in terms of dexterity scores. Like that is that is very good. Yes, lots ones. of climbing, yeah. lots of tumbling, acrobatics, mm-hmm. yeah. lots of trapping, Ra- ranged attacks, ranged attacks for sure. Also, trapping and tracking. She's very good at. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the yeah, big... sort of a ranger druid <laughs> thief in that milieu somewhere. <laughs> Uh, so as we've alluded, the inciting like incident of the action is that it's Prim's first year being eligible, and the, you know the odds are very low that she would get picked and sent the to fight. Odds her. are ever in her favor. Now that is being a, picked. That is a quote from this woman Effie, who is <laughs> played appears, by Elizabeth Banks yes. in the films. Yes, Elizabeth Banks, the Time Lord. <laughs> <laughs> she's very eccentric and like she does work for the capital, but she does seem to care for the people who are in her like wardship essentially. Um, and she's the one who talks about the odds being in your favor a lot. Uh, lo and behold, of course, Prim does get picked and Katniss uh, volunteers as tribute uh, on her behalf. What's that mean? She that the tribute because it's all it all comes down to the pomp and the circumstance and the tradition of the games. Yes, yeah, so tri- I mean, aren't isn't that what the people who get chosen are just called? They are called tributes that get sent forward to fight. Is that not? Yeah, true? but usually it's a usually it is a it's a draft more than it yes. Is a, uh, you don't a you don't choose to do it. Process no, um, and it's always one boy and one girl, um. And when she volunteers to do this, this thing happens um, that has become like one of the symbols of the series. A shift has occurred since I stepped up to take Prim's place, she says, and now it seems I've become someone precious. At first one, then another, then almost every member of the crowd touches the three middle fingers of their left hand to their lips and holds it out to me. It is an old and rarely used gesture of our district, occasionally seen at funerals. It means thanks. It means admiration. It means goodbye to someone you love. Um, and that like three-fingered salute thing is one of the, uh, in the visual language of the films, it certainly stands out. Um, and there's a there's a millions article that talks about how that has even, you know, become that ca- that showed up in some of the umbrella movement protests in Hong Kong in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of taken on a life outside the work, but it speaks to something that Katniss references a few times, which are like the individual cultures of the district get squashed in the the hunger games process as the like kids get forced to fight each other and they edit it all together for tv and stuff like that um who else gets picked andrew to go with her this guy peter p-e-e-t-a but uh-huh. he does he's a baker he boy. Is a baker he is a baker boy he's very I'm strong sure it's totally an accident that he's named a, a bread's name <laughs> She kind of doesn't like him. 
she at first well, she doesn't like that he has food all the time. He works well, with he food. Is, yes, right. He is he is of this merchant class, and she because her entire existence is a lot of revolves yeah. revolves around subsistence level survival. Like she, it's it's not even that she dislikes him. She just like automatically assumes certain things of him because yes. yes. He lives what she believes to be like the softer, more privileged existence. Truth, truth. And and th- she does this for multiple characters who are like higher on this chain within District 12. Like there's a mayor's daughter who you spend a little bit of time with who she also sort of views as like basically fine, but not, you know, she doesn't get it. But then, you know, after she volunteers as a, as tribute, this character comes and like and says goodbye and like gives her some stuff in a way that makes Katniss like reconsider her. Katniss does a lot of this. Yeah. Just reconsidering her prior (laughs) assumptions about people. Yeah. And well, I'm certainly aware that this book goes beyond the individual like annual games and it, it does, the series does embrace like a larger social upheaval thing. So what I can what I see in these little moments with Katniss where she's like, oh, this person has more power than me and I resent them for it. She is like learning that just because they are a rung or two above her on the ladder, they are also oppressed or and and she learns to like connect with that. And as she becomes like a symbol of, you know, freedom and resistance, like how can they help her and how can they join the movement? I guess. Is yeah. Maybe and this what's is like happen. part of why Katniss feels this way is specifically because of how the districts and the hunger games and, and everything are all set up as it is all set up to put oppressed people who nevertheless have like occupy different rungs of a ladder it, it exists to pit people against each other. And to make I don't you, know, yeah. how would you, where would you get that ideal? I just don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, mm. So they are whisked off. She's so off. creative. She's just inventing <laughs> things from whole cloth. <laughs> uh, they are whisked off by Effie and a dude named Haymitch, who hey, I, hey. Kept, I kept writing to Haymitch. Haymitch. It's, it is actually Haymitch. Maybe it's derived from, from Haymitch, but yeah, yeah Haymitch. 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 How you doing? I'm drunk because <laughs> I won the, the Hunger Games 20 years ago and I hate it. I'm drunk yeah, now. You'd spend a lot of time drunk, I bet. Yeah. He's like f- literally falling off like platforms and stuff over the course of the book. Um, yeah, he is not considered. I mean, he he is considered to be past his prime and he's not taken seriously by most people. Including in Katniss. society around him, including Katniss. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's a larger it is like Collins is doing this thing in the first few chapters of this book where she is painting district 12 as this sort of backwater a little bit. Like oh, totally. it is, it is the highest numbered district that is not a crater, like a smoking crater in the ground. Yeah. And it is, and there's just like nothing really going for it. Like people can eke out an existence sometimes if they try, but that's kind of all they're doing. Well, and the last person to win was this drunk idiot and so basically getting picked for the Hunger Games is a death sentence. Like there's no hope is yes, what because she, he is yeah. because as you referenced earlier, like the previous winners of the games, it's their job to mentor the kids who are coming up. And obviously, like he hasn't been maybe he hasn't done the best <laughs> job, 
but nope. maybe also he is drunk for a reason because he's watched like two decades worth of kids go and get killed on his watch. Yeah, so, there's yeah, just it's, it's, nobody's got it great. She's just done a pretty good job of creating layers of like recursive social control. Where like even making the winners of the games become the mentors, they help perpetuate the system um, rather than like learn from the games or whatever. Um, so then they get whisked away on a big fast train to the capital, which I think is near Denver or something. It's in the Rocky Mountains. I don't know. It's it's is it past the, the Rocky, Rocky Mountains? Mountains or the the Rocky Mountains or the barrier? It's oh, past okay. The Rocky Mountains. Okay. Um, in the Rocky Mountains, and then taste the Rockies, right? And then this is like the media blitz training montage part of the book, where. They meet the other contestants. Um, they get a lot of coaching about how they're supposed to present themselves. Um, they meet their designer, Cinna, played by Larry Kravitz in the films, um, who instead of making them dress like coal miners or whatever for their big unveiling, has this like rad, like literal on fire outfit that he puts them in. And it's super impressive. And again, the whole goal is to get other rich people or maybe people from other districts to like send them gifts in the games because they care about. Them. Imagine if right. you could text Katniss to <laughs> six four it's, six seven. Yeah, six. it's very like American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, like but Survivor. Can I ask you just real the quickest question, please? Is who is Larry Kravitz? Oh, did I mean Lenny? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> I just the longer you went, the more I imagined all the people at home kind of yelling at you uh -huh. for saying the words Larry Kravitz, and I had to. I just had to. Yeah, had Larry to Kravitz's in. hit cover of American Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite song. Um. <laughs> Thank you for that. Whoops. You're welcome. <laughs> um, anything in that in this like trip to the capital that sticks out to you, Andrew? Like we meet some of the other kids. There's a lot of like Katniss learning the ropes, but also because she's an intelligent person who's watched this every year, like having a bunch of, of opinions about how things are supposed to go anyway. Yeah, well, so so a few things are happening. One is Katniss and Peta get a a view of how the other half live. Like they're eating this very oh, yeah. rich, delicious capital food after, like like Katniss, I think is is running through in her mind all the work that she would have to do to even make an approximation of one of the things that she is eating. Yeah, and it's, it's a it's one of the many things that Collins does to kind of drive home and make the reader understand what Katniss's life is like, like how her brain has to work, which mm -hmm. I think is, we, we can talk about Katniss's characterization um, as we go, but I think it's one of the things that she does well. Um, other things that are happening is she is trying to navigate her relationship with PETA, who turns out to be this, this kid who, when she was in really dire straits, like right after her dad died, like gave her some food at a really crucial juncture. Yeah. And she doesn't know if he remembers this thing, but like she remembers it. And even though she doesn't think about him a lot because she's off hunting and trying to make 
you know, trying to make it so her family survives. Like she does remember this act of kindness and feels indebted to him because of it. And she also doesn't like that she feels indebted either. That's no, like she doesn't. Katniss she doesn't thing. like. Yeah, she doesn't feel like she doesn't like owing anybody because she doesn't like depending on anyone because yep. she has been burnt by that. Like yeah. depending on her dad who died and depending on her mom who was not up to. I don't know, dealing, dealing with, with adult yeah. stuff like yeah. she was, quote, supposed to be able to do. Um, and then the the last thing is all these characters are sort of getting the a, a measure of each other. Like Effie fades into the background a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Once you're on this thing. But Haymitch d- dis- like, talks to them for a little bit and is like, hey, you kids might have it. If you are serious about this, I will stay sober enough to actually help you. <laughs> yes. And and they get into the the like, what are her skills gonna be? It's being a ranger. And what are Peta's skills gonna be? It's being strong because he works with bread and like decorating slash disguising stuff because he's decorating I gotta say, cakes. Like, I love it. Peta seems like a nice enough guy, but he's a real Xander, you know? <laughs> good xander though he's a real xander it's well it's it's a it's interesting that it's like the the dude we spend the most time with in the book is not the guy who most resembles katniss it's not gale right mm-hmm. it's it's the do, the literal doughboy Peta, <laughs> right and he's like strong and smart and charismatic like he definitely has a good charisma score but but he has a lot of self-doubt well, he, has, he just doesn't have a lot of weapon proficiency. No, he does not have any weapon proficiency. He's a brawler. He's he's an unarmed. He's unarmed proficient. Andrew. He can lift yeah, I stuff. Guess. Yeah, and wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, Frost things. But the other thing that Hamish does is like, as he's like, okay, I'm gonna get sober and help you out, and you really need to listen to me on this. When you were on fire in front of everyone on TV, you grabbed each other's hands, which I think maybe Peter did also at the at the tribute selection. I don't remember. Um, and so everyone now has this idea that like you two are like, maybe there's a thing there. So what do you need to do? You need to lay into it. You need to pretend that you're in love or at least be it, whatever on front of everyone on live TV. So that when I go around asking people to send you medicine or bullets or whatever, um, that they will do it. They have a storyline they can root for. Yes. Um, I don't remember if we made if we explicitly mentioned this when we laid out the rules for the Hunger Games, but even though every district gets two kids, there is only one winner traditionally. Yes. So there's an inherent you know, tension you, here. Yeah, like what whether somebody else from another district kills your quote partner or not, like there is only there's only one person, but then also the just because of how humans work and how, you know, shared values and experiences work. Like people have a surprising amount of not even surprising amount, but just people's calculus is affected by how they feel about the other person from their districts. Like they're, they're not inclined to kill each other right off the bat generally. No. no. And, and the whole time Katniss is trying to figure out like, how long would we have to go before PETA would try to kill me? And how long would we have to go before I would be ready to kill him once we get there? Um, And so then as they're prepping for the big TV pregame interviews where they give their life stories or whatever, 
Um, who Hamid. plays this interview guy in the movies? Um, oh God, who is it? Is Caesar it, Flickman. Is it Tucci? It's or Stanley is it Tucci. Paul Giamatti. Is it's it Tucci? Stanley Tucci? I believe. Yes. Um, it is not Paul Giamatti. It's. De- I get them confused. Sometimes <laughs> they're different, though. <laughs> no, they're super different, but they're just like kind of baldy sort of actor guys. I'm Andrew. I don't see hair. They're just baldy actor guys. They're just baldy actor guys. Yes, that's true. Um, and I don't Cap- know the Tuchas. He the Tuch looks pretty good with these weird like pink cotton candy yeah, hair pieces. All of the th- so the other thing, and I think this is explored in later books, if I recall. But like the Capitol is very interested in plastic surgery, in body mod, in fancy makeup. In all sorts of stuff to like, you know, know you're going to discuss this in terms of like deviant art story (laughs) tags. Spend your (laughs) spend your money on appearances and making yourself look youthful. I think what Katniss says about Flickman kind of riffs on the fact that like he looks like he's been that age forever um, and he doesn't look old. Whereas like when you're in District 12, it's actually impressive to look old because it means that you've like actually survived and the, the capital has a, a very opposite value set there Boy, stanley tucci and paul giamatti are different looking men they are quite different looking men i'm glad that you are realizing this <laughs> but i feel like they're <laughs> in the, there is overlap between their types it's not as much as i my brain no that it is. they are different types my dude <laughs> But there's some similar. They're both baldy actor men, like I said. I you are saying a true statement, but it is not as broad a statement as you think it is about these two men. Okay, while you ponder that, I, I will feel just feel like I'm over here scrolling <laughs> further and further down Google looking, images as though it's going to. You're looking for the one where they look me. the same, and there isn't. There's not a comparison that will help you here. Um. The, this all comes to a head with Mr. Flickman, where Katniss's interview goes fine. It goes fine. She comes off okay. And Peter gets up there, and he Sorry. just confesses that he's basically been in love with Katniss as long as he can remember, ever since he gave her that bread. Um, and she is, like, pissed about it. Uh, she says to Hamish, he made me look weak. Hamish says, he made you look desirable, and let's face it, you can use all the help you can get in that department. You were about as romantic as dirt until he said he wanted you. Now they all do. You're all they're talking about, the star-crossed lovers from District 12. And so they're going to get all sorts of like Twitch gifts from people when the, when the live show starts, and that's all Hamish cares about in terms of keeping them alive. Um, I do have evidence that... Oh, my God. Stanley Tucci and Paul Giamatti have been in the same room at the same time. So uh, contrary to what you might be thinking, they aren't the same person. I'm really glad we got to the bottom of this. But uh, the last thing, the only other thing that happens, I think, before they go into the I games. Jesus. Um, is and I think this happens before that big interview, but they get like evaluated by the game masters in some sort of like fancy gymnasium. Yeah, you got you've got this board of DMs basically who <laughs> yeah. des- like you referred to the the Hunger Dome, I guess, as a sort of like an artificial environment 
and these are the folks who design that environment. Like, yes. And they and they try to design it to create maximum tension. So like if nobody's killed each other in a while, they're going to create some disaster or like weather event that is intended to drive the Very players closer together. So the killing works. happens again. What? It's just how Fortnite works is all I'm going to say. Um, well, okay. Maybe well, Fortnite is how this works. Yeah, it's true. Uh, who invented Fortnite? I don't know. Um, but Susan Collins. <laughs> Susan Collins. Yeah. In Maine. Um, yeah. Peta is like super strong. He tosses stuff around and uh, he gets like an okay score. And then Katniss gets like a perfect score or something because she shoots an arrow into the pig that they're eating because um, she thinks they're not paying attention to her, which they're not. I kind of want Suzanne Collins to do a, like a, I don't know what it would be called, like the the game of hunger, like the gender swapped. Hunger yeah, games okay. That we get from Peter's perspective, because to hear him tell how his thing went, he get like they're graded on what like a twelve point scale, and yes. he gets a seven or eight. But it sounds like he just went in there and like threw a bunch of sandbags <laughs> around, does. and like that was his that was his. <laughs> cool demonstration so and the strange. game masters are like yeah this seems pretty good give him a seven <laughs> give him a seven though maybe it's the people from district 12 go last so maybe it's like when you get your case heard right before lunch and everybody's oh, it's just very it's presented out. as that yeah katniss yeah. gets really pissed about it because they're all like drunk and she's like well suck this arrow and they give her like well, an they, 11 they bring out like a big pig with an apple in its mouth like a good. cartoon i assume they also bring out some some burlap sacks with dollar signs on them well, that's what Peter was tossing the... around yeah, yeah. Um, and this this of course i i expected this to put more of a target on her back at the beginning it does come back around Candace is the one who puts the targets on backs though, yeah because um, she has such a good dexterity truth um when they get into the games which we'll get to next um, the careers do end up coming after her because she did have such a good score. So, Andrew, like, tell me about how the games start. I mean, everybody gets. Are we just talking about we're in the Hunger Dome now? Like, we're, we are. We are welcome to it. Hunger Dome. Welcome to Hunger Dome. Okay, there so are no are, hippos. Everybody is like lifted up into the Hunger Go- Hunger Dome <laughs> on these platforms, and in the middle of this map. And we're going to talk about this in video game terms, so I'm really sorry. Essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the middle of this map is a big resource dump of like food and and weapons and clothes and all the stuff that, and keep in mind, like we said, this can last four weeks and they are called the Hunger Games and it's not just a symbolic thing. Like often people are driven by thirst and hunger to do stuff that they wouldn't otherwise do. It is a, it is a survival horror game. Yes. Yes. As well as a, a multiplayer shooter. Correct. Yes. Um, and so you can make a choice and Hamish encourages both Katniss and PETA to make the second of these two choices. You can either run for it and, grab the stuff in the middle of the of the thing and try like you can get a major advantage if you can get in get that stuff and get out alive but because it is often a bloodbath and often the career people who have been training for this their whole lives and have like 50 or 60 pounds on everybody else they are the ones who are advantaged here so the the second play is to beat feet and run and hide and try and establish 
a sort of layer or like a yeah <laughs> to basically hunt and hunt and forage in the woods and find you know find water find food find what you need to survive and this arena is big enough that you kind of hope to through like guerrilla tactics almost take over the people who are physically stronger than you correct which is exactly yeah. what happens it starts a bunch of people get like killed right away it's very bloody and bad um, I think one kid like steps off his platform too early and blows up. Um, yeah, whoops. Whoops, not allowed. And there are no respawns in the Hunger Games. No, there are not. In fact, they like a big gong plays and some like it's floating. And they shoot a cannon off. They shoot a cannon and then some like spaceship comes and takes your body away. And then at the end of the day, everybody's gamer tags get shown up on the sky of who's dead. Um, so that you as the player in the Hunger Games know who's still out there. Um, I think what Katniss runs in and does get like a bag of supplies. Yeah, like it's not everything is right in the center. Like they have stuff of of lesser value that's a little further away. But you are there is nothing stopping the person to the right of you from just hucking a knife or something yeah. at you, like right off the bat, and getting you dead <laughs> and so Katniss takes a risk and and actually like somebody dies right in front of her pretty early on pretty early um but she goes in and she like grabs this backpack or something and then and then runs away into the woods I think the big like the two big items out of that bag that are important are like something for purifying water iodine and what she learns later I remember iodine specifically because i'm also reading midnight in chernobyl right now oh, no. and iodine is also in that <laughs> oh <book>. no <laughs> um and some cool sunglasses that for a period of time she thinks are just sunglasses she's like what are these busted sunglasses <laughs> until someone is like yo that's night vision i think rue is like that's night vision why aren't you using yeah. that so okay we're I know for a milestone episode, this isn't necessarily running long, but Hunger Games is an infinite jest, and we don't need to talk about it for two hours. <laughs> so what do we need to, like, what are the highlights from here on out that we need to hit? I think the, the most important stuff that this book is doing, I think, is character building and world building. And we've already talked about Panem and the Hunger Games yeah. system, and we've talked about Katniss and, to a lesser extent, PETA and their, like, relationship with each other and with the people around them. So I think we can just we can go through the events of the of the book and how they set up the next one and and that can be it. Yeah, I think so. Like she it's it the the games themselves are like a couple of key moments that happen and I I found the intervening action between them kind of like okay, I'm going to move on to the next thing. Like I I did not find myself gripped by all of the pros in the action sequences. Yeah, I think you if if you're going to find people complaining about stuff in these it is just the it is the nuts and bolts of Collins's pros which is fine but Okay, so here I do have I have an example of that actually and it's sure, a very cuz she she it's, it's like it's totally fine but it very rarely like very rarely am I reading a line that's like dang that line makes me mad that I can't write that good, you know. So one of the key scenes she ends up striking up this alliance with a young girl from I think District 9 named Rue, um who I know that we do want to talk about. Um yes. And the careers, along with Peta, who is allied with them for a period of the book, um, which you later find out is a way to, for him to keep them away from her. Um, but they have, like, trapped her up a tree. 
She ends up knocking they've down. Treat her. They've treated her. <laughs> like a, and like they a knock coon. down this like she knocks down a, a nest of what are called tracker jackers, which are mutant bees. Um, They're more like wasps. Yes, wasps. You can imagine that uh, the like the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> You're trying to wrap this show up, and you want to correct me about bees versus wasps. And I can bring do up two other things. sorts of hornets. What kind of hornets? Char- the Charlotte Hornets, but not like the current logo, like the old nineties. Oh logo, yes, like they the do. Okay, yes, the basketball team. Yes, imagine like that. Imagine those guys. Um, and thanks to some like hot tips from Rue. She knocks this nest down onto the careers, and the the first line, it's mayhem. The careers have woken to a full-scale tracker-jacker attack, and I was just like, burp. The line, <laughs> it just, like, lands really weird, and it the most charitable read of it is, like, it's Katniss's point of view, and she's 16, and maybe that's how she would say it, but it just doesn't. Uh, it, like, started off that scene on a weird, like, two left feet for me. And there's a couple of moments like that that I just found myself going, okay, I would like to get to the next character moment. I want to find out the next thing that happens either between her and Rue or the next thing that happens between her and Peta. Um, which... Yeah, that's, that's too bad because if you're thinking about this in video gamey terms, like it should be way more cool to read about a... So if you're playing one of these video games, like the most boring way to kill somebody is just to like shoot them, right? Like yes. the, the cool ways are to use environmental hazards like red barrels and <laughs> wasps nests. And fluid dynamics and stuff. Yeah, to yeah. kill the your adversaries. So yeah, in theory, dropping wasps on your enemies and killing them all that way should read way cooler than it does. Yeah, which is a shame, even though it's because it's, it's a great idea. Um, so... She does eventually get a bow. She has entered this alliance with Rue. Wait, she she gets a boyfriend? Hey, think about that. It's called wordplay. Um, Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep, I try. Okay. Yes, you're right. I keep interrupting you. That's okay. I also keep trying to wrap us up. Um, I'm having some fun. I'm having, we are having a good Hunger time. Game. We are having a good time yeah. here in the Hunger Games. Um, and she is getting gifts from rich people thanks to Hamish and thanks to like her on again off again relationship with Peta uh, which is like the last third of the book um but do you want to talk about Rue real quick Andrew cuz this is like a thing well of. it's a thing not just with Rue but also with with Katniss herself yeah. is and then this is this is how where where the movies and the books sort of collide is in the books Rue definitely and Katniss only slightly less definitely are coded as people of color. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think I've got to imagine anybody coming to these books for the first time now just because of Jennifer Lawrence and the movies. Yes. Like in the same way that everybody's Strider is going to be Vigo Mortensen yep. now. Yep, yep, <laughs> like, yep, yep, yep. I think everybody's Katniss is going to be Jennifer Lawrence, but... um. Yeah, it's like yeah, straight this black is, so this hair is that, with this olive is that skin, fa- I think, is how Katniss is described, which is, yeah. yeah. Um, but this, this is that phase, like that pre-Gamergate, but like on the road to Gamergate thing where people would notice the casting in movies, the casting for fictional characters, and get really mad about the race of the actor who was cast to play the role. Yep. 
if you want to think about Thor, like the I think it was Heimdall. Yep. The, um, who the was character um, in that? That was Idris Elba, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so they cast a they cast a black girl to play Rue in the movie and in the book. In the book. <laughs> she is a black girl in the book also. And I, I mean, I will say the first time I read this in like 2011, I, I missed that because it's like Collins just doesn't make a huge deal about it. It's kind of it is tucked into a description of the way that she looks, but it is it is not mentioned beyond that, like one or two paragraphs, really. So I, yeah, I yeah. miss it. And, and Katniss compares her so much to Prim, her sister, who is described as like fair of hair and skin. Yep. 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 That I think that's, I think that's just what my brain did. But instead like the people who got mad about this movie, instead of being like, Oh, Hey, I didn't notice that I must be an idiot, which is the right response. <laughs> <laughs> um, they all got mad that this, that they had, that they had committed to diversity in casting for a character who was described this exact way in the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's frustrating. And then, and, and, there, then, and I think there's a whole other little bit of discourse about how, you know, you've got this person of color in this book and you kill her and she's a motivation for, for Katniss, Katniss to, yep. to go and do other stuff. I think that reads slightly differently based on who Katniss is in your, in your mind. True, 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 true. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it gets into that, that thing we discussed a little bit earlier about how the discourse around these books has sort of overshadowed them and. And I think maybe turn people off a little bit even. Yeah. And I want to like, Cause it's just tiring. These well, people, I find these people very tiring. <laughs> the people who get mad about this kind of thing in particular. And what you mentioned about the, um, whether or not you caught Rue when you like the description of Rue and whether or not you clocked it. Like, I think there's stuff with Rue and her district partner Thresh and the description of Katniss that Collins is clearly putting it in there, but also, is not concerned about it as much in other parts of the book where she moves on to the like PETA love triangle, uh, like reality TV show romance part that is just very separate from at, like treatment of race in this book at all. Yeah. Like it, it's interesting because with Katniss, it's sort of baked into how she lives in district 12 and she's at the bottom of the bottom of this society. Yeah. But also it's not really, like she meets all these other characters, right? She meets um she meets Stanley Tucci, she meets Larry Kravitz. She meets Woody Harrelson. She meets yeah. she meets all the, <laughs> she meets all these other people and, and her her like race and appearance don't so much factor into like like if you remove that oblique reference to and and for Katniss it's even more vague because it's it is talking about Gale and how he looks. And there's a line that's like, yes. oh, they could be, they could be siblings. And yes. that's, that is where in the text you pick this up for Katniss. But I think the, I think the reason people miss it is it's just like, it, it is baked into elements of her character, but it's not really baked into how anyone, any other character responds to her character. And yep. so it is easy to ignore it if you're not looking for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's a stronger world building choice that the book is not as concerned with. Um, the so the plot wise she does it just, ally, it just makes yeah. it seem and th this is another thing that comes up when you're talking about like this and its relationship to the great recession and stuff is how much of this commentary that people have read into oh. it was intentional yep. on suzanne collins's part that's a good point and and that's it, it that she 
mentions it in at some points and doesn't at other points kind of makes you wonder like what what is she trying to say and what is she accidentally saying yeah and how much time should we spend discussing this thing you know if if there wasn't that much thought put into it i guess i don't know the author is dead so the author is dead yeah um, not not that suzanne collins is literally dead but i just mean like our reaction as readers is the only thing that matters authorial intent is what is dead bold statement um i don't actually believe this but it's a it's a thing. I'm making jokes. Rue dies. Oof, big um, 400 episode. Energy. Yep. Uh, Rue dies, um, and so Katniss moves on and finds Peta, who thanks. Well, she that, doesn't move on. Like, well, when, sorry, I keep I keep pausing, <laughs> but this this is a big this is a huge moment yeah, yeah. for Katniss. Oh, and you're it's right. You're be right. a big deal in the later books. Is she and Rue like team up, which does happen. I mean, it's very Survivor esque in that you have alliances early on, and then as the field winnows, people are like, "Well, when when is the best time for me to burn everybody else who I've been out yeah, with yeah. at this point?" Um, but because Rue helps her like early on, and she is she reminds Katniss of Prim, like they form a genuine alliance really early on, and then Rue dies. And Katniss, again, because of this, because she's thinking about, about her little sister. I mean, it is it is about Rue, too, but unquestionably none of this would be happening if she didn't remind Katniss of Prim. Prim. Yep. Um, Rue is, Rue is mortally wounded, and Katniss makes a big production, not just of sort of singing to her as she drifts off, but also of like decorating her body in flowers and kind of re- kind of rejecting the the premise of, of the hunger the games, games. Yes, like like yes. making it a thing where it is not just somebody died and so now my chances of winning are better it is somebody was murdered by this crappy system that we all have to Which PETA does say earlier in the book too like when they're still in the capital PETA is also like I don't want to be a pawn in their yeah. games. I want to I, like Pete, Peta and Gale both get this. Like they both get the oppression, oppression of the capital a little bit more than Katniss does. I think because Katniss is so survival focused. Yeah. 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 And part of like one of the big arcs that is happening in this is Katniss coming to understand things that like Peta and Gale have said to her earlier in the book about the larger political situation. Truth, 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 truth. Um, so then after this with Rue, she moves on to try and find Peta. He has been very badly wounded and has disguised himself as dirt and is sleeping <laughs> in the ground thanks to his mad makeup skills. And um, Boy, normally if you want to disguise yourself as dirt, you just get a Twitter account. Hey, right? hey. Uh, and she she and Peta basically like start making out because she can hear in her head Hamish being like, yo you guys need to be in a relationship or else they're not going to send you gifts. Um, and so she gets like, well, and, and Hamish controls like people can send gifts, but Hamish controls where they actually get. Them yes. Sure. And so sure. she, because of a couple of things that have happened earlier, she, she is sort of in Hamish's head and she can like, he is, he is dropping rewards at specific points to kind of tell her what he's thinking. And she is on the same wavelength. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, and so this builds to a moment where she has to go back to the cornucopia to get some medicine for PETA. Uh, and then she 
gets it, but like some people have to die first. Um, and then it's this like big climate. Oh, they changed the rules. This is the big thing that I want to make sure they, yes. they announce a rule change, new rule, new rule. Um, <laughs> two people can win the games if they're from the same district. And this is like, I guess to encourage, you know, the Peta Katniss relationship, which is clearly going over well with all the people at home. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep ratings in mind. Yes. And I, I mean, is this the Hunger Games or Calvin Ball? Am I right? A little bit. It's sort of it. You know, it tracks to the parts in Ender's Game where they start breaking the game to like train him differently, and he's like, "This is not what. What are we doing here?" Um, and even Katniss is like, "What are we doing here?" And she is very like, "We're in her head." She is clearly putting on a show as she is like being romantic with Peta. She assumes that he's doing the same thing. Um, she assumes that he is just better at this like play acting than she is. Um, and it builds to one last battle um, with one of the careers, but they are also being chased by mutant dogs that I think are made out of the bodies of the kids who've already died. Yeah, it's un- it's unclear. Like they have human eyes and they have physical characteristics that definitely match up to people who have been killed killed already but it's not clear how much of it is just trickery on the behalf of the capital but it's supposed to, whatever it's the, supposed like to make you feel masters, is the point but, yes yeah. and it does indeed make Katniss feel this thing but this is this is coming toward the end of of Katniss's little journey here and so there's this there's this guy Cato who aside from Peta and Katniss is the only other uh person who has yes. survived to this point and and then, and it also happens with the other the other person from Ruse District. As you see, Katniss like really like not hesitating to kill people when the opportunity comes, but also not like she she sees them as as human the whole time, and she kind of has to school her own responses for the cameras a little bit so that the people who are running the games and like the people who are watching at home and kind of controlling her fate don't see her again, like rejecting the premise of the, of the hunger games in the first place. Yes. But she like this, this guy is, you know, he's out to get them. He would kill them if they had a chance, but he gets caught by these like mutant dogs who were apparently designed to like eat as much of you as they could without killing you, which is cool. It's That's very fun. grizzly man and awful. Yes. Yeah, and and Katniss like ends up mercy killing this this guy because he's still you know he's still a person. Yes, yes, not and one of the monsters. Still, he is even though he is he has lived his life better off. Like he is still under the same crappy system where twelve teenagers have to get into an arena and kill each other or twenty four. Twenty four, yeah, it is. yeah, um, yeah. They're still oppressed even though they are they are at they're on different sides of this oppression spectrum so Cato dies and then new rule new rule again we're going back to the old rules it's really a take backsies sort of situation um and instead of deciding to kill one another um Peta and Katniss like plan to ingest some poison berries at the same time and at the very last moment before they would do so, I think they even have it in their mouths. They just haven't swallowed it yet. And then the announcer comes on over the sky and he's like, no, these guys won. The Hunger Games are over. And they are. Yeah, because it's, it's again, a, it's a like a reality TV thing where they 
for the integrity of the Hunger Games, you can't have nobody. Yes, correct. Because they because they like tour the district and there's this whole there's this whole place within this oppression structure that the winners of the Hunger Games occupy. So you can't you can't not have a winner or it kind of defeats the purpose of the thing. And she has called their bluff essentially and said, Well, you won't let both of us die. Um and then as they are heading into the like you know, press tour essentially. Post show interview. Um, Hamish kind of warns her, like, listen, the Capitol's pissed about the you know, the people who run the government are mad about this because enough of them can tell that you are like threatening the system, so you have to be on the lookout. She has one more scene with PETA right before they go out in front of the cameras or whatever. Where she rips his still beating heart oh out of his God. chest and throws it on the ground and kicks it away. So it's the culmination of Katniss, the entire book, which I honestly found a little straining credulity, but it is uh, it, it's it. Oh, it, it continues to strain credulity. And it, it this whole artifice exists because it is YA and there needs to be a love. Triangle. Yes. So just keep that in mind. OK, where she just kind of flat out the entire book refuses to believe that PETA actually cares about her in that way. So she, she thinks she thinks it is a game set up by Hamish and because that's kind of how she feels about yeah, it. And, yeah. and again, this this comes down to there's a there's a a moment in the in the book that I don't remember if I I mean it's been so long since I since I read this, but there's this moment that really sums up her character. Um talking about her life. You know, for the first time I allow myself to truly think about the possibility that I might make it home to fame, to wealth, to my own house in the Victor's Village. Um, what would my life be like on a daily basis? Most of it has been consumed with the acquisition of food. Take that away. And I'm not really sure who I am, what my identity is. The idea scares me some. Um, I think of Haymitch with all his money. What did his life become? He lives alone, no wife or children. Most of his waking hours drunk. I don't want to end up like that. That's the only reason I think this even kind of works. Like her uncertainty about what her relationship with PETA is like and her, sort of refusal to entertain that this is anything other than artifice. And as she kind of reports that to PETA, PETA's like, well, wait. But I was being... It was real for me. I was being genuine, yeah. (laughs) And so then she realizes that she has basically crushed his dreams, and yet they are still going to have to now play the couple in public because the couple won the games. And it's not even that she doesn't feel that way. It's just that she is not... He, This guy has spent his entire life like for the last 12 years kind of idolizing her and she started thinking about him like two weeks ago and so of course she hasn't figured out (laughs) her whole range of feelings about this bread boy who she 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 never knew before and and it's my understanding that we are then going to be you know at least somewhat in a proper love triangle moving forward with gail as she sees sees him again you throughout the book keeps thinking about him and, and especially thinking about the like the background and the interests that they share. Like when when she and Peta go hunting, she is extremely irritated with him because he, <laughs> he's he, bad he, at he, it. He, he does not know how to do it and she does not have the patience for he's it. He's so loud all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, that's kind of where it leaves off with them like not sure how they're gonna play these parts in the future. Um 
and there's the tension of what will their win do to the future of the Hunger Games. So, yeah, it's a. I had a fun time with this book. Even even I the like parts of one. it that I was like, well, I could get to the next page now, please. Yeah, I think I think the world is well constructed, and I think Katniss works well as yeah. a as a character. Like, I was thinking about it in terms of Twilight because it's it's another you know it's a, the other big YA series that is contemporaneous too. Yeah, yeah, that that's got a female lead and that became this big, huge monolithic discourse thing. Like, I think Twilight was bigger than hunger games but they were operating at a similar magnitude for a while yeah, there yeah. um and so yeah i was just thinking about like why like katniss is sketched pretty quickly like you you the all like her getting tossed into the hunger games volunteering as tribute whatever like that happens a couple chapters in you don't get a lot of grounding for her but i think collins does a pretty good job telling you what she wants which is a thing that bella in the twilight series never really no, gets around to not at all um and also and to the extent that katniss is a cipher who doesn't know what she wants it's because her life has been she hasn't like bella's problem is that she's got like 90s suburban kids sad syndrome like whatever that yeah that's <laughs> what it is no you're right <laughs> I don't know how to put it better than that, but she's she is she's doing this thing that we all do, which is like, what is what is life and what am I doing? But Katniss is like, I don't I don't even have the luxury of being able to think about those questions, not to downplay the depression that that people in that in the Bella scenario feel. But well, and all of the interesting Katniss has literally not thought about it. No. And so that's why she doesn't have opinions on a lot of this stuff. And the most interesting things that happen in Twilight happen around Bella by other people. And Katniss does literally drive the action of this entire book. So yeah, right. um, th that on a basic dramatic level, I think she becomes instantly more interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I, I literally know nothing about what's going to happen in the second book except more Hunger Games. So I yeah, don't. Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess I don't even want to tell you what the general premise, popular yeah. consensus on the on the next two is because I want you to come to your own conclusions. I mean, I, I will say that I personally think the first one is is the best of the three but i'm curious to to hear where you land cool. by the time we've done them all well that's it thanks for joining us for an action-packed uh episode 400 hope you're hungry for more um you can tell us who your favorite hunger games ian is um whether or not it's stanley yeah is it larry kravitz stanley tucci or uh the other one Paul Giamatti is not even in it. You can email that to us at overduepod at gmail.com or hit us up online at social media, twitter.com slash overduepod or facebook.com slash overduepod. Thanks to folks like Michelle, Colm, Kelly, Alessia, Katie, Emily, Lindsay, Diana, James, Anthony, Kristen, Gloria, and many more for reaching out to us in the past week. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to our website, overduepodcast.com. We've got links to the social feeds that Craig mentioned. We've got links to Apple Podcasts and Google Play. You can rate and review us. We read those and we get a warm and fuzzy feeling on our insides and our outsides. Um, we've also got a link to our Patreon project, patreon.com slash overduepod. 
And uh, we've got links to the books that we have read and are going to read. Uh, next week, we've got our episode on uh, Ellen Raskin's The Weston Game with Kate Reculia as our special guest. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, uh, Craig, I believe, is reading Paradise by Toni Morrison. Yes. And if you go to patreon.com slash overdue pod, you can find out information on how to join us for our uh, live recording or like online bonus recording of Sonic the Hedgehog, the official movie novelization. Um, how to get that Which, early or join us. I'm looking us. at the cover and it doesn't even have an author name. Kyle Fegley. The book. I know. I mean, I know that's what's on the Amazon listing for the book, but it is not on. I think they just want you to think that Sonic wrote it is what I, you know, what mm, I would do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, because history is written by the victors. It's not going to be like Robotnik's not going to write it, you know? No, nor Eggman. Um, So thanks for joining us, everyone. Get us out of here, Andrew. All right, everybody. Until we talk to you next week, try to be hungry. That was a HeadGum Podcast.